Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Morgan, and today we're going to be doing something really easy on the grill. We're going to be smoking some Italian sausages. You can see those there if you're watching along on Facebook or YouTube. Um, these bad boys I picked up from a local deli, and we're just going to be throwing them on the grill. It's one of the easiest things in the world you can do, but it's delicious. And while we're cooking those things, we're going to talk about four ways that you can level up your relationships with customers. All right, let's get these things on the grill. Now, this is as easy as it comes. When you want to just do something really simple on the grill, finding some really high-quality sausages, um, man, it's just it's just the easiest thing in the world. So we're going to hit it with a little spray. I'm doing this on my pellet grill here. And I got these guys from a deli here locally called Mr. P's Deli. It's one of Birmingham's most famous delis. And when I moved here in 2005, you can hear that sizzle. When I moved here in 2005, I needed a f place to get some really good Italian sausage. And I remember talking to my mother. And she was like, I think this place over here is really good. But you need to call them. I need to, we, don't, we don't want some garbage Italian sausage. So I called these guys and I started quizzing them about, you know, what's in it and what all is in your sausage. How do you make it? Do you make it fresh? And then I think when I got to the point where I asked them if they put fennel seed in it, the guy was like, yeah, like we totally do. And I thought, oh, okay, I've aggravated this guy. So these are some of the best Italian sausages in town. It's as easy as that. You throw them on the grill and they're going to be delicious. So today we're going to talk about four ways that you can level up your interactions with customers. And these are based on things that we've learned through the years of coming up from nobody with no experience to where we can do things at a high level. Now, the first thing is the most common thing people get wrong when they're dealing with customers. And the first thing that they ever ask themselves, I'm not really sure, what am I supposed to do here? And that's how to dress when you're going to be interacting with customers. Now, what I always say is um, you should think about how your customer is expecting you to dress and usually follow suit, right? So uh, Mark Cuban, a guy that I really admire, said it best. If someone is selling you, you get to choose how you dress. Uh, if someone, if you're selling someone, then they get to choose how you dress. And so if you're going to go to someone's office, especially, it's totally okay for you to ask, hey, what's the dress code at your office? It might feel a little awkward, but at least you've got that out of the way, right? You can find out how do these people dress and dress appropriately. If they're wearing a suit and tie, bad news. You've got to wear a suit and tie. If it's an organization where they wear jeans and T-shirts, wear jeans and a T-shirt. That's easy, right? You want to make sure that you don't automatically make yourself subconsciously feel like you're an outsider or not on their team. And if you dress differently than they do, you're automatically going to be perceived as somebody who doesn't fit in to the crowd. And that's not the way to win somebody's trust over. So make sure you do your homework, find out what kind of organization it is. If it's a blue collar organization, sort of think about that, dress that way. Um, if it's a very, very high end suit and tie organization, wear a suit and tie, do whatever it is. Uh, that those people expect you to do because at the at the end of the day when you're interacting with a customer you have to walk into that with the mindset of um, I want to do a good job for these people I want to find a way to solve a problem for them but in order to do that I've got to convince them that I'm trustworthy and that I will solve that for them um, and the first way to do that is through body language and the way you dress right let's check on our sausage really quick now these things are probably going to cook very quickly yep they're already starting to turn brown you can actually see the black specks in them. Those are the little fennel seed things uh, popping through. These things are going to be great. I'm actually going to turn the grill down. 
a little bit and let them go a little slower. When you're using these pellet grills, the slower you go, the more smoke actually comes over the outside of the meat and then permeates the, uh, the fibers of the meat there and gives you some more flavor. Now, the second thing you can do to make customers believe in you and level up your way that you interact with them is be responsive. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, the, the easiest way for you to aggravate somebody is to feel like you're too busy to talk to them or that uh, your organization is too dis disorganized to respond. And so when somebody emails your company for the first time or they call you for the first time, acknowledge it quickly. We used to have a rule in the early days of ProctorU that if somebody emailed our organization, we had two hours to respond. Um, even if it was in the evening or on the weekends, we had divvied out the responsibility so that somebody got a response quickly. Now, if somebody emails you at Friday night at 9.30 p.m., no one's expecting a response where you have a detailed, here's all the things you need to know or whatever. That's actually not the best way to respond ever, frankly. Um, but all you really need to do if someone emails you in an inconvenient time is just simply respond back and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know I got your email, really excited to talk to you, and then give them a time that you're going to contact them back. Hey, I'd love to call you in the morning, or hey, I'd love to give you a call on Monday. Uh, notice I'm trying to get on the phone. I think, I think people that hide behind email, that is not a way to build rapport and trust with someone. Get on the phone. So ask them, hey, uh, can you shoot me your number, and I'll give you a call on Monday, and I've got, I've got some answers for you. I'm really excited to talk to you. That simple step, two sentences, three sentences that takes probably 45 seconds to send that email is immediately going to make that person realize, one, they're important, and two, you're excited to talk to them and you're on the ball. And it makes your organization in your very first impression seem like you really have it together. So make sure when you're setting up your customer communications that no matter what, you're quickly responsive anytime a prospect or a current customer reaches out. Now, this third one is one of my favorite things. I preached this for years and years to my team, and it's how to de-escalate an angry customer. So if you're starting a company, I have bad news. No matter how hard you try, no matter how good of a job you do, something is going to happen, and you're going to have somebody call your organization, and they're going to be upset. Something will have gone wrong. It may not have even been your organization's fault. Maybe it was your organization's fault. But whatever the net effect is, you have an angry customer right? And you're going to have them on the phone. And uh, unfortunately, in society today, the way cable companies have worked, the way phone companies have worked, it's just not a good experience people expect to uh, have when they call with a complaint, right? My internet went out last week, and it took me over an hour just to get on the phone with somebody that even seemed to care. And so, um, those kinds of interactions, we all have those kinds of stories, have conditioned us to expect crappy service from a lot of organizations. So when people call and they're angry, the first thing that's going on in their head is they're feeling like they have to convince you that they have a problem. So I have a couple of steps that you can do to de-escalate them and get them off the phone not angry anymore and, uh, and, and confident that you're going to fix it. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to give empathy. And what I mean by that is when somebody says, you know, man, I, <laughs> you're selling these T-shirts and I got these T-shirts and they're all wrong and I need them by such and such date. The first thing that you can do is say, man, I can understand how frustrating that is or gosh, I'm really sorry that happened. There's nothing worse than when you try to plan something out and then it goes wrong like this. Give them some kind of statement where you understand 
this sucks, right? And we're going to fix this for you. And that second part is really the next step in that. After you give empathy, you have to give certainty. So give them empathy emotionally and then give them certainty. And that can be as simple as a statement of, we're going to fix this for you. Or, you know, this is really, this isn't going to work and we're going to make it right. And when you say something up front, Notice I didn't bury that behind all the things that I'm getting ready to say. Up front, you say, I understand you, and I'm going to fix it. You will get people to go from a 10 several notches down because they now no longer feel like they need to beat you up and convince you that it's a problem. So step one is to give empathy and give certainty. Step two is to zoom out and zoom in. This is how you sort of win people back over for you. So you zoom out and you say, you know, uh, we do X billion orders a day. And uh, that's the zoom out, right? And we get 99% of them right, but that still doesn't make it feel any better when you're in that 1%. And I used to, I, I used to love statements like that because what happens with people is this one problem that has caused them an hour's worth of uh, hours worth of pain can cancel out all the good feelings from all the different work that you've been doing for a long time. So it's important that you zoom out and you remind them that you do a great, great job, but it still doesn't matter when you're in that moment and you've messed something up. That's called zooming out and zooming back in. So give empathy and then give certainty, zoom out, zoom in, and then lastly, give specifics. So what I mean by that is don't say, oh, we're gonna fix that, I'll call you back. Say, I'm gonna call my supervisor or I'm gonna call so-and-so or we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and I'm going to call you back at this time and give you an update. If you can give somebody specifics, they have called you on the phone, you have told them you understand them, you have told them that you're gonna, you, you've given them certainty that you're gonna fix it, you've zoomed out, remind them that you guys by and large do a good job most of the time, but you understand that this is frustrating, and then you've given them specifics on how you're gonna fix the problem. If you can kind of run through those five things, that is the way to take an angry customer, de-escalate the situation, and start moving it towards a resolution. Let's get a quick check one more time. Like, if you can't tell, I like checking on. So, man, sausages cook fast. You can already see there's a little brown going on there. I don't like to touch it when it's cooking because uh, if you break the casing, especially on these really natural casing ones like that, you break the casing on it, the juices fall out. So it's best not to mess with them, not to touch them until they're done cooking. We're going to leave them there. So this next thing is one of my favorite things to talk about, and it's how to give a presentation. Now, with most businesses, when you're dealing with a customer or you have a prospective customer, you're going to have situations where you need to demo your product or give a presentation or explain to them uh, how you can solve their problem. And it is the most crucial thing to get right in order to move your relationship forward with that customer. And it is so badly done by the overwhelming majority of people in business. And so I'm going to give you the, a couple of tips that, that I learned through the years um, to make your presentation stand out and to make you connect with people and not just be just another slideshow presentation that they're, they're watching. The first thing I would recommend, um, in my opinion, the greatest business presentation I've ever seen given was uh, in the mid-2000s, Steve Jobs debuted the very first iPhone. Now, if you, if you have a moment, when you're done watching this video, go look that up on YouTube and watch Steve Jobs possibly the greatest uh, entrepreneurship presenter of all time. Uh, watch Steve Jobs weave all of these problems into a talk track and, and land in a device 
that solved that problem. So he, he said, you know, we decided we were going to build three things, a mobile internet browser, uh, a phone, and, you know, a portable vi uh, music player all in one, and it's all one device. And he does this big reveal, and I'm butchering it a little bit, obviously, but Steve Jobs in that presentation, it was basically flawless. And it's easy to kind of chuckle about that now because we're all used to smartphones. But at the time, that was revolutionary. And he made sure that that presentation um, had gra the gravity of the moment, right? It actually made it so that you realize this was a revolutionary thing. And he did it in ways where he used visuals and he used sound bites and he, you know, told a story as he was going instead of just, here's our device and here's what it does. Um, he could have bombed that if he'd have done that, but instead he sort of weaved a bunch of intrigue into his, into his talk track. So go watch that if you get a chance. One of the things you'll notice when you watch that, Steve Jobs uh, never put a slide up that had a bunch of words on it. He, when he was doing that presentation, you'd see he'd hit a slide and it might be one giant icon and one single word, or it might be a, a number. Right, or it could be one big thing for your brain to focus on. Why does he do that? The reason that he does that is because when you put a bunch of words on a slide, what is the natural human thing to do? You check out immediately from what that person is saying and you start reading. And so you've got this breakup of you're supposed to be listening to you. They're supposed to be listening to you, but they're not. They're reading, right? and they've read ahead and you don't get to sort of do sort of reveals and things like that. It is such a common practice in the business world to put a slide up and it have 400 words on it. Um, I just don't think slideshows are meant for that. They, they are meant for um, uh, visual aids as you present verbally. And so when you're presenting to a customer, I would strongly encourage you to use slides that have very few things on them so that you can keep their attention. I, I've, I probably should say this now. This is a mantra I've said over and over to my team through the years. Remember that we are just a chronically distracted society these days. There's lots of things pulling on you, phone calls, emails. What am I going to do later? We're all trained scrolling through things that our attention span is really, really short. So the more opportunities you give somebody to check out in the middle of this presentation, they are, all right? And when they stop listening to you, they're going to miss important points, and you're going to miss your opportunity to convince them that you can solve their problem. So don't use too many words on a slide. Don't use too many pictures. Do something very simple so that they're looking at it, but they're listening to what you're saying as you present, right? So uh, the next thing, and this is, this is a common thing I've seen uh, when you see a presentation for somebody who does product for a living or has actually built the thing that they're selling there's a tendency to want to tell someone everything the product does. Okay, this button does this, and this button does that. You'll notice this shirt is made out of this cotton, and we get it from this plant, and blah, 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 blah. People don't necessarily want or need to know that. And again, we're a chronically distracted society, so the number of things that somebody's actually going to remember when they get out of your presentation is probably four or five max, right? And so if you fill their head with a bunch of buttons and things that aren't necessarily all that important to why they want it, they're going to miss the point. They're going to forget why they do want it. So make sure that you focus your presentation not on all the little gadgets and the little backstories of why. That may be interesting to you, but you eat, sleep, and breathe this product, and they're really just trying to solve a problem. Make sure that you understand the problem that they're trying to solve 
and gear your presentation towards that. Skip over all the little, the little feature details and things. There will be a time to go over that. Just like we said, don't put too many things on a slide. There's a time to give all that information to somebody, and it's after this presentation. You can build a nice PDF document. You can email them. You could have a nice bound physical thing you can hand them. There's all sorts of ways that you can get information to them, but it's important that you don't overwhelm them in the moment because you need them to walk out of that presentation believing that you can solve their problem. So don't overdo it. Not too many visuals and not too many things about details. Now, this next one is a tactical point, right? When you're talking to somebody, when you're talking to a customer in the moment, what I always suggest is there is a tendency to say, does anybody have any questions? So you're giving this presentation and you get to a natural stopping point. You look at the people you're talking to, do you have any questions? And I always taught my people that's a bad, uh, that's just bad form because there's an opportunity for you to start winning positivity into, into the conversation. If you say, do you have any questions? And the answer is no. That's actually a positive thing. That means they're understanding everything. But when you say no, the vocal inflection goes down. No, right? And no is a negative word. And it's a, you know, it's sort of putting distance between you and that person. So what I always did instead of saying, do you have any questions is I would ask, does this all make sense so far? And then they say, yes. Now, when they say yes, instead of no, I don't have any questions, yes, this all makes sense, is clicking in that person's brain, this is making sense, right? I'm buying into what's happening here. And there's, there's what you call consistency bias. Once somebody has said, yes, this makes sense, then it's hard for their brain to then 10 minutes later say, I don't get this, it doesn't make sense. They've already said it makes sense, right? And it did. If it didn't make sense or they had a question, that would be the moment they would jump out and ask it. But in this moment, when you say, does it make sense? And they say, yes, you're starting to win positivity. It becomes easier for them to decide to buy it after the fact when their brain is reminding them that they understand it and then it's all making sense. It's so much more effective than simply saying, do you have any questions? All right, the last thing for a presentation is remember, what is the point? The point usually is you are trying to let them know that you can solve their problem. So you first need to understand what their problem is and gear your entire conversation towards the thing that they care about. And if you don't know what that is yet, I would suggest maybe you're not ready for a presentation. If the situation isn't going to allow you to talk to them ahead of time, then you probably need to build into the presentation a time for you to listen. Ask some questions. Hey, I want to understand how your organization works and what's the pain point you guys are having here? What's the problem you're trying to solve? Or why are you even interested in talking to us? And listen. It could be money. It could be, you know, pain with customers. It could be growth. It could be, you know, compliance. It could be just a want, right? I, we really want this thing. But you won't know unless you ask and, and really, really listen. And then gear the rest of your conversation towards the thing that they've just told you they care about. I always try to make sure that I go into presentations clearly knowing what my objective is. And that objective usually is whatever this person cares about, I need to gear that conversation to them. If you don't know what that thing is, you have another step of homework. And if you can't get it before the presentation, you better orchestrate your presentation so that you can get it out of them uh, early in the conversation. Now, that's in a nutshell, my tips for a presentation. The last part, and this is the most important thing in all the businesses, how do you close a deal? And more importantly, how do you close a deal without being a sleazeball? Anytime you talk about sales, 
the average person thinks about like a sleazy, you know, door-to-door salesman or some slick car salesman that tricked them one time. That's bad form. That's bad sales. And if you want to be a high-level successful person, you're going to have to sell and you're going to need to be able to sell in a way where you're not just trying to trick someone and get their money and run away, but you actually understand their problem and then you go in and solve that problem for them. It's it's a refrain I keep coming back to, understanding their problem and, and making them believe that they can solve that problem. So once you have figured out what it is that's important to them, when you're ready to close the deal, you got to ask some more questions and you got to find a way so that you can drive them towards making a decision. It's easy for people to say, you know what, I'm going to think about it, or I just need to go talk to so-and-so, or I need to go talk to whatever. So one of the things that I like to do that, that never seemed pushy, um, but allowed us to sort of drive the conversation towards a close is you sort of work backwards. So you find out, Hey, so why is it again that you need to use this? Okay. i you know, we're looking to make more money. Okay. Well, when do you, uh, Ideally, when would you like to turn this on? Well, we'd like to turn it on next summer. Oh, that's a long time away. Um, what are you going to do to sort of increase your revenue in the meantime? Well, you know, we could get this up for you in insert a period of time, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is. Um, if we could do that, would that help your revenue this year? Yeah. Okay, well, is there a way we can help you get that? I really want to help you increase your revenue this year. And then you start realizing as they answer that what the real objections are. They'll say, well you know, actually, I got to make sure I got budget. And okay, so it's not a time thing. It's a budget thing. You, you, you find the thing that they want, they're trying to increase revenue, or they're trying to turn it on by a certain time, or we got to be compliant by a certain date, or I got this big party that I need this device for on this date. And then you start to work backwards and you say, okay, well, in order for you to get this thing that you want, um, we're going to need to onboard and do these kinds of things. I know it takes a little time to get the budget and whatever. So that means we got to get this signed on such and such date. Does that, would you agree? And they'll say, yeah, that actually makes sense. Now, once they've said that, hopefully that date is not too far in the future. Now, consistency bias kicks in again. And they've said, I'm going to sign this on such and such date. And now you're calling and you're, you're no longer saying, hey, just checking in. Hey, just whatever. Now you can call and say, hey, I want to make sure we don't, we don't miss that date you set. Um, is everything good? What else can I get you? Can I talk to somebody for you? I want to make sure we don't miss that date. Um, having th- that drive the equation, not just constantly calling, hey, you ready to buy yet? Hey, I'm, I really want to get this in my monthly quota. Um, don't be that goofy sales guy that's just trying to get the deal. Always keep the focus on them and helping them. And if you do that and they truly believe that, you'll be amazed at what your close rate will become on deals that are really, really material to you and your business. One last check on these uh, these bad boys over here. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Almost getting done. This one over here looks like it's about the right colors. I'm going to turn it down just a little bit. You get a little bit of color from the smoke, too. So that's nice. Okay. Now, we said we had four points, and I'm laughing because my producer, Alex, was just reminding me that I've just hit you with a blizzard of points. There were four main topics we wanted to cover today. The first was how to dress when you talk to your customers, and the answer to that is how they want you to dress, right? The second was de-escalating an angry customer or prospect, and how do you do that? You give empathy, and then you give certainty, you zoom out, you zoom in, and then you give specifics. Then we went through how to do a presentation, and your homework assignment was to go look at Steve Jobs debuting the first iPhone. It's one of the greatest things ever. And then finally, the fourth thing, how to close a deal without being a sleazeball. 
If you can master those four things, you're going to really level up your communication and your interaction with your customers, and you'll be amazed at what can happen to your business. Thank you so much for joining this episode of the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating, like it, like us, find us on TikTok, like us on Facebook, join our community as we build this podcast. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.